Welcome to another episode of Ed's Up, sponsored by the Southern Early Childhood Association. Ed's Up is a podcast all about children and those that care for them. Hosted by Dr. Kathy Grace and Dr. Kenya Wolf with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Hello, everybody. This is Kathy Grace with another episode of Ed's Up. And we are so happy today to have two authors who are going to speak with us in I think in a very uh, thought-provoking topic and uh, subject, we have Marianne Shalano and Marietta Collins. They are authors of several books around uh, social justice, and one of them that I have used that brought me to their world is Something Happened in Our Town, but they have many more books that they're going to tell us about. And again, thank you so much for taking time being with us. And uh, first off, I want to start the questions. And again, you all feel free to exchange conversations. I'm just going to get out of the way after I pose the questions. Now, in your book, Something Happened in Our Town, A Child's Story About Racial Injustice, it was published in 2018. Things have happened since 2018. So can you explain some of the thoughts in deciding to write it? And without, I guess you could say, revealing the whole plot of the story, just give the listeners a little bit of an idea of what happened in this town that's in the book. Okay. Well, thank you so much for um, for hosting Marianne and myself. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it, Kathy. Just to give you, um, I guess, insights in terms of what really prompted Marianne uh, and, and and not only is Marianne and me, but also uh, we have a, another co-author, Anne Hazard, mm-hmm. to uh, write um, something happened in our town. You have to understand that the three of us were all faculty members at Emory in Atlanta and worked in the um, hospital which served primarily underserved patients. I worked in a child, child psychiatry outpatient clinic. It was at Grady Hospital in Atlanta. And the three of us were really impacted by what was happening to young Black boys, uh, Black men, and even Black women at that time. It was really the Tamir Rice shooting that really prompted us to really kind of wonder how these young Black kids that we were all working with, you know, from the perspective of psychologists, how they were understanding what was happening in this world, what their parents were saying to them. And so that's what really got the three of us um, talking about how we could help our families to be able to have difficult conversations about um, about racial injustice. So what was interesting is that um, something happened in a town to, to talk a little bit about the book. Um, it tells the story of two families. One family is a black family. Another family is a white family whose kids are in the same classroom and they overhear adults talking about a shooting of a black man by a white police officer. Their parents think that, no, they don't really think these little kids, they you know might have been like maybe five or six years old, didn't think that they know anything about this, but they did know. And they both went to their respective homes and asked their parents the difficult questions about why did this happen? You know, why, why did the policeman shoot the, uh, the black man? And, you know, the white families really prompted to talk about, you know, the fact that they were slave owners in the past and to start talking about the, the history of slave ownerships by whites in America. And when the uh, black child asked his parents, you know, it gives them an opportunity 
to kind of talk about slavery from the perspective of black of a black family and how they were able to overcome and talk about important um, civil rights uh, figures and just yeah so it's a it's a it's a really an opportunity for you know, to, to talk about um, racial injustice from the perspective of black parents and white parents with the empowering message of acceptance really that even though you know the races may be different we may come from different perspectives we all have something to bring okay and that you would not want to discriminate against a person based upon the based upon differences differences in race you know and we could even you know say differences in disability differences in gender it's really about acceptance and I'm not going to tell you the whole story but that um that kind of basically weaves around you know what the point was of something in our town two two families trying to to talk about racial injustice with the goal of acceptance and helping helping kids start to kind of grapple you know with this really difficult subject at a very early age now what did i miss marianne no you pretty much got it i mean i kind of want to give away the end of the book because <laughs> The children actually apply the lessons they learn from their discussions with their parents to their real life mm -hmm. um, regarding an incident that occurs at their school. And so the, the thing we really like about the book is it conveys hope and um, action, things that kids can do to stand up for others who are being bullied and how kids can be more inclusive. Um, and so the book ends with the kids applying what they've learned to deal with a situation where um, an immigrant child uh, is not included in a game and, and they stand up for him and try to create a better pattern. We really struggled with how do you talk about racism, racial injustice and racial bias with kids in the four to eight-year-old age range. I mean, it's a very complex concept and we it was hard to find the right words for it, but where we came down was the notion of pattern. It's a pattern of being nice to white people and mean to black people. Um, and the examples we gave in the book were examples of racial injustice or racial bias, part of that pattern. And at the end of the book, the kids are invested in creating a new pattern, a better pattern. One of the things that I like about it is that you have a section at the very end on how to facilitate discussions with children mm -hmm. and whether or not that's used by parents or teachers or grandparents mm -hmm. or whoever uh, has that opportunity. And I think that's so important to help adults who may feel awkward or not knowing how to bring up the conversation. And so a lot of times they just remain silent mm -hmm. as the parents in the book at first. And so I think that that's another part. If y'all want to just discuss that a minute about the, I would say, going beyond just the story, but helping guide more conversations. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, you know, I agree 100%. As Marianne said, you know, we um, struggled, the three of us struggled with how do you talk to very young children about these subjects? And, you know, what words do you use? And, you know, how can parents, you know, begin to have these conversations so that it can occur in an ongoing manner? So we wrote the note for caregivers and parents. And within that section of the book, we provide very child-friendly and developmentally appropriate definitions for um, terms like discrimination, prejudice, 
racism. So we provide those definitions. We even have role plays because it may be that um, a kid, you know, may come up and say, well, well, mom, why is it that all the uh, the black children or the black boys get in trouble in school? Or could well, why, you know, why is Kayla's skin, you know, her skin is dirty. Why doesn't she just take a bath? You know, so very innocent um, questions that children might ask their parents. You know, so we wanted to be able to help them to begin to um, come up with answers to these questions. We also wanted parents to know that they didn't have to have all of the answers, that we would help them to be able to create some answers. And then it's okay to say, hey, you know, I think that's a great question. Let me think about it and get back to you and go and do a little bit of research, you know, and come back and again, facilitate this this, uh, conversation with your children. The other thing that we have done, um, aside from that section of our book, is our publisher, Imagination Press, which is an, which is the uh, publication arm for uh, the American Psychological Association, also um, has a website, and, and their website has allowed us to have a section related to something happened in our town, and every it's, it's updated annually, you know, with resources. And we say primarily for educators, okay, because when we did the note at the back of the book, it was for parents and caregivers, but what we do on an ongoing basis in terms of the um, the web-based resources is, is, is to really try to update it for educators as they try to prepare curricula, you know, for their for their classes, and they just may, may want background information themselves, so... I think one of the things we've learned from each other and from all the parents and teachers and kids we've talked to is that this is not a one and done conversation with kids. This is a conversation that you have many times as kids bring up new questions, new perceptions and observations as they develop and have new ways of understanding their social world. And so, you know, the resources are designed to kind of help parents prepare for that. But also we want to acknowledge that, you know, it's not a one and done thing, right? It's, this is always a series of conversations. I think given that website, if you can let us have it, we can put it in the little intro that we're going to post when we say that your Ed's Up episode is on. Mm-hmm. Then if you can just send that to us, we'll include that. And that way the people that want to can pursue all the resources that you just mentioned are available. In my research that actually was I guess, stimulated by the fact that we have a town in Mississippi that had a a lot of uh, press about banning books in a public library and how funds were going to be withheld if they didn't ban certain books in the public library. And so I started digging and looking at the American Library Association, and I was amazed in a very sad way to find that there are books for they call them picture books. They're books for very young children that are now on the banned list. Uh, again, this is a local decision. It's not even a state decision. Mm-hmm. And so it appeared that something happened in our town made that list as one that was maybe targeted or one that has been banned in, in several different communities. Why now and what are the reasons do you think that this is happening? So, Keep in mind, we wrote the book in 2016-17, and it was published in 2018. But after the murder of George Floyd um, in 2020, many people, educators, uh, teachers, parents started using our book to help young children understand current events, you know, the uprising, the protests, the the renewed attention to um, police violence towards African-Americans. And so... 
as that began to happen, some parents of students in classrooms um, objected to the use of the book in the classroom, and some even objected to the book being in the local libraries, um, because they perceived that the book was anti-police. There were other books on the ALA's top 10 most challenged books for 2020 that were geared more to older children that were also perceived as anti-police. I think Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. And there were other books that addressed racism directly that were also on the list. So parents were objecting to the book, partly because of their discomfort with the anti-racism focus, but mainly because they perceived it was anti-police. And you know, to our knowledge, the parents that have objected to the book for that reason are all white, and some of them have been police officers or married to police officers. And, you know, we we do not think of our book as anti-police. It is not our attempt to vilify the police. Um, it is true that um, the two, uh, the, the African-American father in our book and the two teens, um, the siblings of the main characters, do express the view that you can't really trust police um, and that, um, you know, that uh, the Black father actually gives a little bit more of a balanced perspective. He says many cops, Black and white, make good choices, but we can't count on them to do what's right, right? So there's this notion that um, the police are there for community safety and that some are good police and, and and do their job, but some, you know, you can't trust them not to hurt African-American men. There is bias in the criminal justice system and in policing. Um, and we wrote that because that is the experience of many African-American people. Um, and there's a lot of evidence to show that there is bias in the criminal justice system. Now, the reality is there's bias in lots of systems, right? There's racial bias in the banking system and in the medical system and all sorts of systems. But in this book, we just gave this as an example of um, racial bias, racial injustice. And, um, you know, and, and we moved on from that to talk about where it came from and instances of um, racism in sort of modern day life. Um, the interesting thing about this is that even though we gave it as an example of racial bias, the rest of the book doesn't really deal with the police issue. The rest of the book sort of after introducing that concept, the rest of the book deals with how to stand up for yourself and others who are victims of racial bias or racial injustice. And when we have read this book to kids, and we have read this book to hundreds of kids at this point, right? When we've read this book to kids of various ages and said at the end of the reading, so what is this book about? They never say the book is anti-police. What they typically say is this book is about treating people the same or being fair to everybody. They never say this is an anti-police book, right? So we don't see it as an anti-police book. We wrote in the background, in the, in the caregiver note, we write other things about police, including how, you know, children and adults should never shoot at police and, um, you know, the police are there for our safety and most police never even fire their guns and things like that. So there's more attention to police in the caregiver note at the end of the book. But the main message for kids, right, is that we want to create a new world where we stick up for racial justice and we treat everyone equitably. 
Marietta, what I miss? Well, I don't think you missed much of anything, but you know what this really triggered for me was the journey that this book has um, oh, yeah. has uh, created for us. Because I remember, you know, very early on, um, us doing um, workshops and and um, mm-hmm. some of the white parents being present, you know, at workshops and not really understanding, you know, why um, black parents would typically start to talk to their children at very young ages, you know, about the fact that not all police officers can be trusted. Uh-huh. So that was certainly an eye opener, you know, I think for, for many. So it's, it's, it's been a journey, a journey where we have, we've learned about the talk, you know, uh-huh. where black, you know, families start again, you know, to, to tell their children, you know, about racial bias, about racism, about, you know, injustices, you know, sometimes per- perpetrated, you know, against you know, African-Americans by the police. So, uh-huh. you know, so certainly it's, it's been a journey, you know, and, and, and uh, I would say a process of growth for all three of us. I'm the only African-American author. The other um, author who's um, not here with us today is also white, but you know, it's about us being open with our own experiences and what this has really taught us and Mm -hmm. opened up for us. Well, it's interesting you brought up that there's one read that adults may have on the story and where they are placing their emphasis and a totally different one Mm -hmm. on where the children are placing their emphasis, Mm -hmm. which is very telling to me about where and how children are taught certain things and how that's reflected in conversations Mm -hmm. that they may take on or situations that they may play out in school. Mm -hmm. I understand that y'all have written some more books for children about racial justice or injustice or uh, situations. Can you tell us a little bit about just briefly some of those and the reasons behind why you wrote them? Sure. So all the the four books that are part of the Something Happened series um, are all published by Imagination Press, which is an imprint of American Psychological Association, as Marietta said. Um, and what was happening is as we were going around promoting the first book, um, some of the teachers and librarians we talked to said, hey, you know, can you write a book about gun violence? Because at the time, that was when educators were being um, required to do these intruder drills in the schools, um, and they needed a book to help kids understand what was going on. And so our second book addresses um, community gun violence. And although it's not really about racism, systemic racism is featured in the background of the story because the story features um, an African-American family. The boy, the boy's cousin, uh, who's an, a young adult, is um, injured by a shooting in the neighborhood park. And um, the book sort of addresses how he copes with it and how the community comes together. And the the reason we set it in an African-American community is we, you know, there's much less attention, first of all, to community violence like that than there is to these like school massacres and, you know, these other kinds of more widely publicized events. And um, we wanted to counter the sort of the racist myth that like black communities are dangerous or black people are dangerous by placing this story in a community that has suffered from um, economic disinvestment. And essentially the factory closed, jobs were lost, and this, the community is kind of in decline from an economic perspective. So the community is more the victim of racism, right? And so in the story, the the community is, is reinvested in, right? There's a, a program with the mayor and there's a new, um, a bread company comes to town and so things get better. But we wanted to look at, 
at the at that aspect. Um, you know, we wanted to provide that kind of background for understanding gun violence. So that's that one. And then Anne Hazard and and another friend of ours, Vivian Aponte Rivera, wrote something happened to my dad. Um, and this is about a girl who's a family from Mexico, and the father is uh, detained because he doesn't have his papers, and how the family deals with it, and how the community supports the family. And then coming out in April, we have this one, Something Happened to Our Planet, which is about climate change. Um, and this is this the one coming out in April is by Marietta and I, um, uh, with a different, and all the books have different illustrators. Um, but climate change is a racial justice issue. It is. Um, it's a human rights issue, and it's a racial justice issue. Uh, and you know, I could talk more about that, but I kind of want to give an opportunity for Marietta to talk. Oh, for sure. So, um, you know, something happened in our planet, you know, really uh, brought um, to my, my awareness how um, decisions made about, um, let's say, were to uh, to place factories that have like lots of pollution, you know, are typically placed in economically disadvantaged areas mm-hmm. and how um, how impacted uh, families can be, you know, by such placement of, uh, of factories and other things, because, you know, they have no they have limited resources to be able to move to areas, you know, that are that are, that are better areas, you know, for them. And, you know, it's just been a, it's just been, you know, again, I used the word journey, mm-hmm. you know, because I've learned about, about, uh, I guess I would say climate injustice, you know, from that perspective. And, you know, not only just here in America, but globally, this has happened. And um, here in America, we have to start to take a stand. And that's what the, that's what the kids in our book do. They tackle mm-hmm. the, uh, the climate uh, crisis from a perspective that young children can make a difference. And, you know, that's really the thing in our books is that young children can make a difference. Mm-hmm. They can have a voice and make a difference. And adults are certainly there to help them do this. But you know, but it's certainly being led by children in our in our books. I want to ask you, if we've talked about reactions, some good, some not so good, and you've mentioned that you've done workshops and you've been around uh, in different locations. But what kind of feedback have you received from the teachers, librarians, and parents from this series that you've mentioned, and how you have managed to, and you've done it very skillfully, to put this in the four to eight-year-old mind set so that this is sometimes what people would say a very difficult concept for young children to understand. But I'd be interested to know both pros and cons from the conversations you've had with with parents and teachers, librarians or others in communities about your books. You know, I would say, Miriam, you can certainly add to this that the teachers who we have um, interacted been have who we've interacted with have been uniformly supportive and positive about our book. Okay, mm-hmm. I even say our books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's to the point where when they have um, tried to include the book within certain topics within their classroom, they have hit pushback. The teachers themselves have been supportive of it. Um, when parents have heard about it, some parents have been supportive of it, but not all parents have been supportive of it. You know, I think it's been, um, you know, some sometimes parents have gone to the to administration, you know, within the school system, say, how could you let this happen? We should have, uh, we should know about it beforehand. We should have known that they were going to read this kind of book to our children. We didn't want this kind of book read to our children. But again, the teachers have uniformly been able to use it as a teaching tool. 
And what's really, you know, happened is that, you know, as Marianne said, when she talked about the banned books, you know, that sometimes it's gone from, you know, uh, parents going to school administrators to the administrators having or even going to school boards. So it's been, a, again, been, been very interesting. But the teachers and librarians, too, as a matter of fact, have been very uniformly supportive of the message of our book and have really used it as a as a valuable educational tool. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that, you know, even some workshops that we have done where we've had police officers there, they have have heard, have have listened to us, they've even read the book. You know, they have left the workshops feeling like it's not anti-police, which mm-hmm. is what some people have said. You know, sometimes reactions are based upon from people who haven't really read the entire book. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I would say uniformly, teachers and librarians and, and many parents have been very, very supportive, you know, of our book. And it's just been, it's been a smaller number who have not really wanted that message um, shared with their kids, shared to their kids, really. So I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, we did market the book, but most of the books are marketed for four to eight. I think Park is maybe a little, little bit older, five to nine. But what's fascinating to me is even though we have written the books for those kids and their parents and teachers, teachers are using these books in the older elementary school age range, like fourth, fifth, and sixth, I guess third, fourth, and fifth. Um, And so I've noticed that especially something happened in our town was read more or used in the classrooms more for older kids than what we actually wrote the book for. One thing I will say is that um, I think parents are the best judges of when their kids are ready to hear any of our books because they do deal with potentially scary concepts like gun violence and climate change and shootings by police of African-Americans. So I think parents know best when their kids are ready. Some four-year-olds are ready. Many four-year-olds are not. It depends on the kid. If the child has already existing problems with anxiety, that might not be the best time about community gun violence. That might not be the best child to read this, the something happened to our park to without a lot of support and discussion and guidance and preparation of the parent. But it can also be a helpful book for the child to hear about and read and understand in the context of their healing, you know, maybe right. as part mm-hmm. of therapy, helping the child recover from traumatic stress symptoms related to hearing gunfire in the community or something like that. And so I really think, you know, parents know best. Mm-hmm. Parents need to be prepared, which is why mm-hmm. all the books have this lengthy yeah. caregiver note. And even with best preparation, none of us is completely prepared for the yeah. questions that come out of children's mouths, you know, not, which is why yeah. it's good to say, you know, I don't know. Let me think about that and I'll get back That's to you later. Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing that we certainly recommended with, you know, around all the uproar, quote unquote, around something happening in our town is that parents read the book themselves first. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, you know, look at it as Marianne said in the back of each of our books, there's a note, you know, a caregiver note, a parent note, you know, that ha- that provides definitions that helps parents, you know, to get prepared, you know, so that they can, in fact, engage, you know, with their children. And, you know, I would agree 100% that parents are certainly, you know, the authority for their kids. And, you know, they're the ones who want to be able to, to, to talk about from a value-driven perspective, from a, a family perspective about these real, real difficult subjects. We want to provide them with information that would help them to be able to, to do that in a way that uh, hopefully made them feel comfortable and more equipped mm-hmm. because they now have expanded their knowledge base as they begin to talk to their kids about these subjects. We could talk for another hour. 
Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that. And I just can't, uh, again, extend my appreciation to the two of you for joining us today. And uh, I hope that people will pick up on the last little bit, particularly that you said that parents need to read the book, number one. Mm-hmm. Or they decide that it's not a good thing for their children to be exposed to and that they understand they have a role in this as mm-hmm. far as a follow up, uh, a discussion and not just ignore what they have an opportunity to address uh, under the circumstances that you all have presented to them as well as to the children. I hope that you may consider joining us again. I would love to hear another whole set of uh, books that you all develop about guess what's happened in our town now as <laughs> the uh, solutions that you all have mentioned that uh, now the children have demonstrated that you know how to figure out how people can get along and then whether or not you've mentioned in the, the one on gun violence where the community policing has been a positive but at the point that that I've made with you earlier in some presentations that I've done about critical race theory and how most people who are all in arms about it don't even understand what it is. That's right. true. Right. And and have it has no bearing at all mm-hmm. in uh, education or what we're trying to do as far as provide a more informed uh, future workforce with helping our children to understand more about the history in our country and all of the history, all parts of it. And that the only way we can improve conditions for everybody is to have knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's what's going on. And I think this is a good starting point for knowledge to be acquired and for more discussions to take place. So again, I thank you both. Thank you for your thoughtful questions and for the opportunity to promote the book. Thank you for joining us today for Ed's Up. If you have an early education topic you'd like to discuss, let us know about it at edsup at olemiss.edu. The Ed's Up podcast is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity.